Hallelujah. Good morning. Welcome here this morning. Welcome to Breakthrough City Church. All you guys that are here, welcome to those listening. Welcome there to Tina and Azerbaijan. Welcome to Courtney down in the coast. Um, so um, we just had a just a really fun time this morning and just in his presence here this morning, just to enjoy his presence. And you know, his love is intoxicating. Um, and sometimes when we encounter God, um, we, we, we try to do it through our own strength, but it's really just yielding to Him. And um, he, He's so in love with us, guys. Do you know that God is so in love with us? He's so in love with us. If He wasn't in love with us, He wouldn't have come to this world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He so loved the world. That love of God is so intoxicating. You know that the world gets intoxicated with the spirit of the world. But when you encounter the love of your soul, he, you become intoxicated with his love. All right. And so even I'll try to share this morning. I, I just had some fresh new wine of the spirit just this morning, just being intoxicated with his love and that. So I just want to try sharing that something here this morning. Um, I, 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 I want to share this morning with you regarding... Um, his presence, the presence uh, of God, the presence of God at any cost, the presence of God at any cost. And I want to tell you something that um, um, we need to know and desire the presence of God more than anything else. Um, it's quite scary. I, I was recently, I, I saw a, 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 a literal church building. And um, while I was actually at this place, you know, I was just going past actually, and uh, I stopped for a moment and I actually was just challenged with the beautiful building. And, and it was just this thing again about, Holy Spirit, are you here? And um, just again, how the structure can give you an impression of God, yet He's not there. And, and I want to tell you something. In His presence, there's a fullness. You cannot find a fullness Outside of his presence. There's a fullness in the presence of God that we can only be satisfied in him. So religion will always give you things that you are strict at and must do and mustn't do. It gives you a set of rules. But the set of rules um, doesn't give you that intoxicating experiencing of his love. And that's what the presence of God does. So, um, you know, the thing is this, is that when we, are, when, when we feel far from the presence of God, now remember what I shared last week about Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's no longer come Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit actually has come. So that's why I said we need to change even our songs. Um, but the Holy Spirit, He's living now in you and me. If you're born again, you received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit's come to dwell in us. And He wants to live through us. And uh, sometimes, you know, we, we compete with the flesh and with the spirit. So when we feel and not aware of the presence of God, we seem to manifest the flesh more or depend more on the flesh. More on the abilities of the flesh. All right. So um, is that the, the, the danger is this is sometimes that we actually start to, to get comfortable with our talents and our skills that we have in life. And we have a confidence and a trust more sometimes in our skills and our talent and not in his presence. And I'm speaking, I'm not speaking on a Sunday meeting like this. I'm speaking of at your workplace, at the place, in your family, 
that we're so reliant on our giftings and our talents that we actually no longer wear the presence of God. And it's a false confidence we find in even our gifts. All right? So, um, <clears throat> um, the danger is really depending more on our gifts and our talents than instead of depending on God himself. And remember, gifts and talents are from God. But if that's what you depend on, that becomes your strength and not his presence. All right. So your talents and your skills can give you basically a false sense of security instead of God himself. Um, in Psalm 127 verse 1, um, I just want to jump into that. I'll give you, I'm going to just touch on, I'm going to share more. I'm not really teaching this morning, but Psalm 127 verse 1 says the following. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So this is the thing, sometimes unless God is building something, unless God is involved in what he's doing in your, my life, we're busy doing things in vain. So whether you're building a business, whether you're building uh, a family, whether you have children, whether you have, you're planning for the future, unless the Lord builds whatever you're doing, you're building in vain. Well, I know in the Bible it tells me about the Tower of Babel. They did it all by themselves. And God says there's, no, there's nothing that will stop them from what they wanted to do because they were in a unity and an agreement. But it was, it was flesh. So we can look pretty successful with our gifts and talents without Him, without His presence. Do you know that church can look good and God is not even in the place. Because how is it that many people go to church meetings and God is not in the place? I'm speaking about his manifested presence. You know, I see more and more, um, you know, <clears throat> you go to these sometimes openings of uh, feasts or festivals. And they're most spectacular. I'm mad about pyrotechnics. Mad about it. I love to have tried it out, handed it. Um, blowing up things. No, just pyrotechnics is fireworks. So I'm mad about it because it's so expressive and creative and so overwhelming. So I think that's why the things of God I get overwhelmed with when I see God in action. So when the presence of God so comes in, I'm telling you, He outdoes everything. Because He satisfies not just your eyes, not just the flesh, but He satisfies the soul and your spirit. Okay, so when he steps in. So, unless the Lord builds a house, um, they labor in vain to build it. So, um, if, you know, maybe some of you have been part of revival um, and, uh, or in experience things of revival, and then suddenly you become bored. Now, I, I saw this in, when there was really just revival breaking out and the move of God in 93, 94, known as the Toronto blessing in that. And I saw God move in ways like, I was so excited about it. Man, I got so excited. But later it becomes, okay, well, okay. I see all the manifestations. I see all this. And you see the fruit is amazing, amazing. But later there's a boredom that starts coming. I also speak about familiarity. And you start seeing the things in that. And uh, you get bored with what should be fascinating to you and me. Ah, 
I see the people getting healed. Next. Tick. Tick. Oh, okay. Now I've heard a deaf person who couldn't hear. They're hearing now again. Uh, uh, I've seen how many legs grow. Okay. We get bored when we see revival sometimes breaking out. Instead of standing in awe and in wonder of who he is. Okay. So revival is actually, we need to understand it, it's the way that God expands and extends his kingdom. So that's why we need revival. Um, expanding the kingdom of God is not just having a bunch of buildings and saying, putting up a sign, this is this church here, whatever its name is. Because the world filled bigger stadiums with unbelievers and believers. So just because you have a name something doesn't mean something. All right, so that's, that's the dangerous part. But in revival, what's God's purpose is extending his kingdom in all spheres of society, not just in the church building. Are you with me? So that is how governments, education, sciences, um, the media, whatever, gets influenced because we become leaven. The leaven of the kingdom is expanding. All right? So, <clears throat> again, I want to say this, and please, I, 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 we are totally for this and we see this happening, but revival is not manifestations. Okay? Revival is not manifestations. So some people think just when there's the manifestation, there's revival. All right. Now we see, and I, and I teach on the thing about why we must see manifestations, because when God pitches up, manifestations happen. Hello, did you hear what I said? Because when God walks into the place, who's going to stand? Do you understand? So I'm all for that. But the thing is, revival is not, is not just the manifestations, okay? But revival is a manifestation of God. Revival is not just manifestations. Revival is a manifestation of God. It's when God shows up himself. That's what starts to happen. So we see the kingdom expand. We see God step into the situation. Why is this important? Why is this important? Because... um, what revival does, revival brings about reorientating us to his presence. Reorientating us to his presence. We are reorientated. Something happens in the presence of God when you and I start to be transformed into a likeness. The word and the spirit is always working together. So suddenly when the spirit of God comes there, the word is shared either or that what starts working together we start to see something being birthed just like mary said let it be done in me according to your word and the holy spirit overshadowed her the spirit and the word working together and we see this revival which reorientates us in his presence in his presence we are transformed i say again in the presence of god we are transformed you know, they're the, the, the disciples and the angel pitches up and the, the, the disciples fall down. They want to worship the angels and say, no, 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 no. Don't worship. We're only messengers because the angels had been in the presence of God. They had come from the throne, the throne where the, God's manifest presence started manifesting. They came down on assignment with a message or helping or intervening or whatever it might be. And the thing is just this, in the presence of God, something happens. 
Something happens in the presence of God. I've said this before, where we see God step in situations. People that have had issues for years, decades. I shared that testimony the other day. I think last week or at Encounter Night about that woman being abused and stuff by the father and the uncle for years, sexually abused and whatever. And our God, within 20, 30 minutes, she got up from the floor after laughing, rolling around, Shouting, crying, laughing, rolling around, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, gets up, and God's totally restored and healed her spirit, soul, body in the presence of the Lord. Guys, we need the presence of God. We don't need to read about it. We need to experience His presence. We need to nurture that place, okay? So, revival is not what we did that. Let's move forward, okay? It's not like, okay... Oh, we did this. Oh, let's move forward. We're bored now. No, 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 no. It's an essential part of what God is doing to restore um, all things. So God is rebuilding. He's building his house. He's restoring all things in the church. The church needs to look like him. Remember, if Jesus is the head of the body, we're the body. Right? You realize that. That's why if we point a finger, we judge. We're judging who? Jesus. <clears throat> All right. So if we're the body and Jesus is the head, the body needs to look like the head. Isn't that so? The body needs to carry the same glory as the head. Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's a glory and a presence we need to carry and experience. And guys, you know, we get glimpses of this. We experience more than that. But there is an increase, and I'll get to that now. There's an increase on planet Earth of the manifested presence of God. There's an increase, I'm telling you. There's an increase. There's an increase because there's a transforming of from glory to glory. And the increase of his government, there will be no end. Oh, the devil in the world, you see how dark it is. <laughs> I've got news for you. Stop watching the bad news. Because that's not what the word says. Did you hear what I said? Wars, rumors of wars. The end, of the, the end times was 2,000 years ago already started. It's just you've got a, a, a television set in your hand now. Isn't that so? Yeah. All right, so, um, you know, so when there is, when there is listen to me. Um, when there is abuse of grace, now there's been this whole hyper grace teaching that comes from different parts of the world, but when there's an abuse of grace, guess what? The fear of the Lord is absent. Do you hear what I'm saying? When it's now because of grace, I can live under grace, and the guys send me these books that tell me, and I don't mention names, but the thing is this, is that grace doesn't give you an opportunity to want to sin and to continue sinning. That's not what grace is for. When, when, when there is an abuse of grace, the fear of the Lord is absent. Do you hear what I'm saying? So sometimes we give a message just of grace and say, oh, you do what you want, you feel like what you do it. That's called the flesh. But what God is saying, that when the presence of God, when we learn to nurture the presence of God, what happens? The fear of the Lord comes into the place. When the presence of God pitches up, you lie as if you're dead. You lie on the ground like you 
just with the presence of God coming in. And um, I, I've, I, I, there's so many testimonies I've even heard and even experienced when the presence of God comes in the place, the fear of the Lord comes in. He's not your buddy. Just remember that. All right. So, revival puts the fear of the Lord right at the center of our being. Those angels, the seraphim and the cherubim, the Bible explains what they're doing in that around the throne. We know about these different structures and orders of angels, archangels, there's messenger angels, there's healing angels, there's uh, uh, angels that write down different things that are happening, recording, there's different things, angels, warring angels, etc., etc., different hierarchies and stuff like this. But it's a quite amazing around the throne of God, the 24 elders that are there that are just saying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord. He is, he was. And he is forever. God is holy. The thing is, the holy where the 24 elders are busy watching and seeing God, there's a revelation the whole time of who he is. And all they can do is just fall down and say, holy, holy, holy. So there's this, there's this, this awe of in the presence of God. So remember what I told you when I got saved and six months later I ended up going to share with, you know, visit the friends of mine in the bar and immediately the one guy came up, we had already had quite a few uh, drinks, he came to him and he just started to confess his sins. <laughs> I didn't say anything. It's just because in the presence of God, people turn their hearts because they know God is in the house. So why is it that you and I have a free will to worship God? We have a free will to worship God. Why? You see, because I've always also wondered, but Lord, why don't you just show your glory on earth? Just boom, like that. Because if God has to just manifest his glory just like this on earth, no human would have had a free will to choose to worship him. Because we would fall on our faces. You, you realize God manifests right now in this place. You will fall on your face. You cannot stand in his presence. So that's why we have a free will. But there's measures of his presence and his glory that he's busy manifesting on earth now. And there's coming an increase. Where people will walk into areas and things start happening. Alright, I don't know how I'm going to get through this message. But I'm going to try. You need to listen quickly as I speak fast. Okay, so um, we, need to, they, they, we need to really just say, Lord... Um, there needs, we need a new reference, uh, a reverence really, when it comes to holiness. There's this new reverence and an, and an awe that we need to have for who God is. Not a religious thing. Please, there's a, this religious thing that, that, that puts me so far away from God that I'm hiding in the corner like a naughty kid. No, 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 that's religion. When I make a mess up, you go to your father. Religion, when you make a mess up, you run from your father. All right. So, yeah, we have, um, there's this really, this is what God is doing, is he, he wants to change our hearts to willingness to surrender. There's a surrender in our hearts that God is busy working with right now. So, your dependency on him in revival feels like wisdom, and it, it, there's a trust that flows from that, right? So, in revival, there's this wisdom that starts coming because we trust in, in God, okay? So, what is God's presence worth to you? 
What is God's presence worth to you? That's each one has that their own answer. What is God's presence worth to you? Man, I, I know when I got saved, I used to fast like you won't believe. Um, I used to fast because they say, God, I just need you. There's so much junk here in my life. There's so much. And I used to go on long fasts, and it was often. And it wasn't um, these, these, da- these days I hear a lot lovely fasts. You know, you eat this and you eat that. It was just water and nothing else. And nowadays it becomes very easy. But uh, the thing is this. There was a time where I said, God, I'm so, I will pay the price, I will pay the cost for this. Until I started to also learn a thing about that a fast is a fasted life. It's not just certain incidents. There's a fast, that's why Jesus didn't fast. I'm not speaking the opposite of what I just said. If God tells you to fast, you fast. But there's a fasted life that we're supposed to walk in. Things that we need to keep to and keep from. All right, we won't go there now today. So, um, uh, what was I saying? So, so basically, what is the price? What is it worth to you, the presence? Okay, um, and um, it's like it's like this, in guys. Uh, you know, sometimes people say, you know, I want to go, I want to leave Bloemfontein, I want to leave the city because I want to do this and I want to go there. I want to tell you something. Why would you go to Afghanistan? Why would you go to Iraq? Why would you go to Bloemfontein? If there's so many other nice places. You'll be in a place because God has told you to be there, but also because of his presence. And a lot of us are taking or wanting to pursue the things or the places instead of the presence. Hey guys, oh, I'd love to stay in Cape Town. Honestly, love to. It's beautiful. I'd love to stay in an island. Do you want to stay in an island? I'd love to stay in that country. I would like to. But where is God's presence? And this is what I say. What is the price you wanting to pay for his presence? It's called obedience. All right? So um, you and I need to be pushing into the more of God. The more of God that God desires for us. Um, you know, it's been interesting. We've heard earlier, even on today, how people that have had to move because of a vocation and in different parts of the country, how people say they wish they were actually here. Why? Not because of the buildings we have now. We're trusting for new premises. Uh, so thank you, Jesus. But um, it's not for these buildings. It's not for all the crowds. It's not for that. There's people that want to be here because of the presence. I'm serious. There's, there's people that want to be here because of the presence. Why? You know, when we used to, uh, I still remember when we started to minister into, into Europe, um, before we went in that, um, I just said, I said, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to even be there. Serious. I, that was my heart's cry. Lord, if we go, I want to know you with us. I want to know your presence is here. And then we actually started to see different just manifestations. Even my passport was covered with gold. I posted for you. Remember the photos? Remember my, my notes? You all love my notes watching. Who remembers the notes were covered with gold the morning when I started to preach? Remember that? They were covered glittering gold. And I, Tina, 
touching the, this, the gold, where the gold was manifesting, literally like just this all over my pages and notes. This was in this time of, with the message that I was going with there. I want to tell you guys, we can do it with our talents. We can do it with our strengths. We can do our careers, our business, our future, our relationships, our husband, our wife, our children, everything we can do with our gifting and talents. But I'm telling you, if the presence of God is not there, we don't have anything. Because we've depended on something else that was given to us instead of the source of the gift. You know, it's like, uh, it's easy, you know, well, I've said this before. If, if, if I want to get members into this house, well, I can give you free transport and a meal afterwards. And I promise you, we will not have place on this premises. What price are you paying? Did you understand what I'm saying? There's, there's things that, there's a price we pay to be here. It's easy to gather people. Give the goodies out. But there's a price for the presence of God that you will pay, I promise you. We are looking for people's hearts that are hungry for God. We're looking for people, and we say, that's our prayer for years. Because unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. The presence of God must be the DNA of what happens. In Exodus 33, this is what I refer to with Moses. If your presence does not go with us, I'm not going. Moses tells God. He says, I'm not going. I'm not going. What about your future? Well, I have this job opportunity. I have this amazing career. I'm telling you now. Just hear what I'm telling you. I will not go somewhere if, God, if God's presence does not go with. How about that? What's your price? Or what's the cost? If someone comes to you tomorrow and says, I will give you this. Go there. The question is, Lord, what is the price? If your presence doesn't go with me, Lord, your manifested presence, if it doesn't go with me, I'm not going. Because then I have all the, the nice buildings, the nice things, but you're not there. I hope you're catching what I'm saying. I hope there's something in your heart capturing something about being hungry for the presence of God this morning. Do you know there's been a lot of challenges uh, since the COVID and the lockdowns in South Africa? And uh, since the lockdowns and then in South Africa and different parts of the world, a lot of people have actually lost passion. They've lost passion for a lot of things. Do you know that? <laughs> really? Um, An average, pretty much, uh, uh, churches have declined by 50% in, in members. So guess what? I've got to get the show in the row. For you to come back. <laughs> Let it not be the show and the signs that get people here. It must be his presence. Because then it's those that are hungry that are coming. All right? So, they, because I believe passion is created from intimacy with God. That's where your passion must come from. So, if I want to get ready for what God uh, has ahead of me, I must be living with hunger for more of God's presence. 
I need to start living and having, God, I need, I need you more. I need to experience you more in that, all right, each day. And um, we need that fire that's burning in our hearts. We, we can't have a fire that's busy fading. Amen. So many things can become more important uh, than pursuing the presence of God. There's many things that can. Ah, I found my husband. I found my wife. I found this job. I found, I'm telling you, there's so many things becoming because our attention is so taken by what we see. Because we've grown up in, in, in a revolution of technology. I don't know if you realize. They refer to our age as the golden age of technology. You say, if you have all the stimulation of things, why do you need the presence of God? So we've trained our flesh so well that we desire so many things around us to fulfill us instead of the one who can only fulfill us. All right? So God is everywhere. We know that. Okay? But God is everywhere. I mean, if he removes himself from here, we're gone. Okay? We're gone. So, but we need to pursue God intentionally at any cost. We need to pursue God intentionally. Not... Uh, waiting to wait on the Lord is a is a verb, by the way, in the Bible. It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing to wait on the Lord. Okay, so hunger for God is where you um, where basically where you you guide your heart's attention and how you walk in life. There's this hunger of God that gets built in you. Hunger for His presence. Um, you know. I remember when I just got saved and that there was a number of these factories that, uh, that, that, that were overseen and that. And I remember, um, I, I specifically remember these occasions. There were sections that hadn't put in different machinery and stuff like that. And I would go in those times. I would disappear. And when I say disappear, I would just go from the office, whatever, and I'd walk into these uh, big areas because I so hungered just to enjoy God's presence. I would slip away. I would just slip away at any cost just to, because I was like, I'm saying love. <laughs> I'm saying love. <laughs> I'm lovesick. You read Song of Songs? It speaks about I'm lovesick for your presence, for you. And I would slip away like this, okay? So, remember productivity in this world has become the king. It's become king. Productivity, you guys know what I'm speaking about. Productivity has become king, okay? So we rush from his presence to do the things because everything goes about productivity. Sounds a bit like Egypt. And uh, do you know that Jesus was strongest uh, in the wilderness when he was actually being tempted because he had this amazing dependency on his father. So it doesn't matter where you are. There's a strength because his dependency, our dependency is being, needs to be put on him in what we're busy going through and experiencing. Okay? So we're not, we, you, you know what? We're not fit to, to, to lead the crowd if we actually cannot withdraw, withdraw from it. Some of you want to be business leaders, career leaders. If you cannot withdraw from the crowd or from that, you know, then, then you shouldn't lead. 
Il n'y a pas de demande. Boldness comes from him. Through knowing him. Through knowing his presence. That's where boldness comes from. In Acts chapter 6 and 7, you can go read there just for time's sake. Um, Acts chapter 6 and 7. Um, the apostles basically say, listen, we need someone to assist us. We need someone to help out here because, you know, yes, people that are being neglected. And so then they said the following. They said, okay. They didn't say we need someone uh, trained in social skills and in um, occupational health and in safety and in this. And They didn't ask. You know what the apostles said? Because there was a neglect of with the orphans and the widows. Do you know what they said they need to find? They said they need to find someone full of the Spirit. Someone full of the Spirit. They didn't say they needed someone who was skilled. I want to tell you some of us are so skilled, and I know there's a lot of people skilled here and listening as well, so skilled. But I want to say, make sure that you trust in God before you just trust in your confidence of your skill. Because that creative idea God gives you in that second is your answer. We've spoken about this previously, even with business things. It's like, I just had this idea to do this. And suddenly, wow, it's not the skill I have. I didn't learn this. Remember, university, you only learn in a certain box. You realize that. You learn A to whatever, Z, or A to. But God works outside the box of that what you've learned. Because he's the source of creativity. Isn't that so? So surely then he knows everything. So he has an answer for every situation. That's why governments, businesses do not have the answers. It is the church that is supposed to stimulate the creativity of people in the marketplaces, in those areas of, okay, I mustn't plant now. But, you know, I learned this season plant. No, God said I need to plant in a month. Huh? I've heard testimonies. We personally knew people, uh, in, 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 they planted, they had record harvests in those, those droughts um, in the, remember, in the 80s, yeah, in South Africa. Major droughts, and we actually, they shared with us years later, but they had a record harvest of wheat in the free state, which is not really a wheat place. Record harvest without one drop of water all being irrigated on their farm. God said, plant now. They planted there. All the farmers said, you're crazy. What are you doing? This, this. They had, I saw, we actually had in the old church building, actually uh, some sheaves of wheat. You know what? Don't put God in the box. But it comes from that place of the presence of God, when and what to do. So yes, Stephen, and uh, you know, Stephen, he came and he fed the orphans and he fed the, 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 those that would be neglected. All right, so Stephen gets into trouble. Why? Because suddenly there's this boldness in his life. There's this boldness. He gets into trouble because he's bold. He starts speaking there. And um, what happens is that... Uh, um, that in, in Acts 6 and 7, Stephen boldly lays out salvation and what God is doing. And what we further see in Acts 7, it says, and they were cut to the heart after his words. So this is the guy who wasn't skilled. He was filled with the Spirit of God. That was the difference, okay? So Stephen's response, when they, when they start, hey, yeah, they criticize him. Any of you been criticized in business? 
or in the marketplace or whatever. He gets, they start whatever, the next minute he looks up to heaven. And we know what happens. It says, it actually says there, and they were gnashing their teeth at him. They were, arr, arr. And then we know what happened is that um, he looks up to heaven, he gazes at heaven, and ultimately uh, his life is taken. He gets stoned. He's the first martyr in the Bible. And the Bible actually says this, wow. Sidetracking. In that scripture, it actually says, and Jesus was standing. The Bible says Jesus is sitting on the throne of God. But that piece, it says, that when he looked up, Jesus was standing. Stephen was the first martyr. Anyway. <clears throat> so, if we are not people of his presence, what will, be, what will we be reduced to? Oh, I have this gift and this talent. We will be reduced also to our talents and we will be reduced to our programs. Well, I know when church starts, it starts at this time and it finishes this time. We have three long songs, three, two slow songs or short, fast. Do you understand? The children's church is like this. We should do this, we do that. When they go home, they give, get given this, they take that home. But their lives aren't transformed. Well, I like to go to this place because I know when it starts and ends. I've heard people tell me this. People have left this place years ago in our old venue because they had to help pack our chairs. And yet Jesus was a servant of all. <laughs> it's shocking to when our hearts are revealed, eh? Any one of us. <laughs> Alright, so um, being led by his presence does not ignore the problems, remember, but problems are not to direct us. Remember, problems don't direct us. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing and he said what the Father was saying. Jesus didn't react to situations. He was proactive. If we become people who live without his presence, we will be reduced to a form without power. So in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, it says this. Paul is speaking there in 1 Corinthians 2, 4. It speaks about how Paul's speaking and he says, um, you know, uh, about how people using wise and persuasive words. All right. And Paul says, no, no, it's not about using these wise and fancy words. I mean, look, you know, it's like an economist. Have you seen that before? My father would always tell me, have you seen an economist with uh, one hand? No, there's no economist with one hand because on the one hand, the economy is going to be like that. On the other hand, the economy is going to be like that. So you don't get a one-armed economist. Isn't that so? Um, so what I'm trying to say is that it's not about persuasive words. But what Paul says, the wisdom of this world is not about this, but it is a demonstration of power. And I want to tell you, there's power that the church needs to reveal out in the marketplace. All right? So, Paul says, listen, your faith mustn't be in man, it must be in God. So, when we become dependent on ourselves, we break down uh, uh, people's trust in God because we're not giving them an opportunity to see His power. So, when it's just, I'm trusting in my knowledge and that, I'm not giving you opportunity to see who I'm trusting in. If I tell you this is my bank account and I say, yes, look at all the, the, the zeros. Hopefully there's a number before them. But whatever, there's, <laughs> what, 
whatever there's, I can say, you know, well, and guys, and I'm, I'm telling you as well, it's same as business, I want to tell you something. Just because your bank account is big, you might have some street skills, that's wonderful. But sometimes God is the one that will tell you, no, don't do this now. And it's not the confidence that I have in my ability I've done. I mean, people have said to me, I'd love to speak to this person because, wow, they've done so well in business. I want to tell you something. Um, it's not just doing well in business because they destroy the rest of their life. You can do well in something, but you don't have any family anymore. You can do well in something, something but anyway, you, you've lost your kids to drugs. You've done this. I, I've, I hear this all the time. All right? So... Um, we need to become dependent on God. And what we say, like Paul was saying, uh, if I lean on my own persuasive words, I'm actually harming you. And so we need the wisdom of God in those certain things. We need to trust God for the right word, the right time. Okay. Um, Leonard Ravenhill said the following. Uh, Well-known guys passed on Leonard Ravenhill. He said, we don't lack revival because we're important. Uh, so, sorry, we're ignorant. We lack a revival because we are too self-sufficient. Yeah? We lack revival. We don't lack revival because we're ignorant. We lack revival because we are too self-sufficient. We do things well. We can even do church well. But are you aware of God's presence when you're doing whatever you're doing? So these are so many things that, that, you know, that, that we can do. Or try to do with God or without God. Okay. So, how, how am I stewarding my, my, my thirst for His presence? How am I stewarding my thirst for His presence? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try crash land somehow, yeah? How am I stewarding my thirst for His presence? Because this will set the course for your life. We need to pursue God at any cost. All right? Uh, more of God at any cost. This is the desire in our hearts. We are not to strive for God, but striving and sacrifice are not the same. Because you don't want to strive in worship. Okay? Faith is from a place of rest, by the way. That's where faith comes from. So, um, how do I want to engage with God? I want to engage with Him, but I know there's a price. There's through sacrifice we now engage with God. You are so surrendered to God that sin cannot take over in your life. Hear me right. When the more aware I become of the presence of God, the less I will walk in sin. Remember what I started saying about the fear of the Lord? So religion says, don't do this, don't do that. Isn't that so? So I can't do this anymore, I can't do that. And I said, no, it's a relationship you have with God. But the more the way I'm aware of the presence of God, the less I would want to do the wrong, that I would want to sin. Because in the presence of God, guys, remember what I started saying, 24 elders are saying, holy, holy, holy. There's such an awareness of who he is, you become that. What you behold, what you worship, is what you become like. If you want to see a person, someone sitting next to you, don't look at the person next to you. No. If you want to see someone, if someone walks with God, look at someone else. Look at their life. 
You can see if someone is walking with God. Not the religious stuff. The presence of God there. You can see that. All right. So in his presence, his presence satisfies you. If you, if you want to get rid of any sins or things or habitual things in your life, the, we need to become aware more of his presence. The more aware of his presence, the less you want to do things wrong. Whether you're in your car driving and someone is not driving in front of you. Whether it is at work and, and people aren't doing their job right. How would you respond if you know his presence is there? Do you know that your addictions or any addictions get broken in the presence of God? People, uh, people that I've seen that have been set free is in the presence of God, people get set free. Boom, 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 just like this. So the, when, I, uh, when we have this lifestyle in the presence of God, addictions are also broken in the presence. Encounters lead to devotions which, are sustained, which sustain the purity in our lives. Amen? Do you know what? When um, this love that you and I can experience of God... We start to love our enemies. Did you hear what I said? If you experience God's presence, you experience His love, you are able to love His per- uh, your, your um, enemies. Um, I'm going to have to just land with this, and I've got some good stuff still here, but I want to just end with this, just this story again. When I said, when I got saved, um, my, you know, my brothers and I, Things weren't really good, um, and you've heard some. Of you've heard this, but when I got saved, I was—I experienced the love of God on the fourth of May, nineteen ninety. My life was transformed. I, I ex- experienced the overwhelming, unconditional love of God in my life and for me, and um, my life totally turned around. We were supposed to go out partying, you know, those days it was more, you know, well, it was, we were working so it was many times difficult your weekdays partying but the weekends come big partying, drinking etc, etc. And um, so this was a Friday night, the 4th of May 1990 and I gave my life to Jesus and I told my friends, listen I can't be there, I'm, I'm supposed to meet them for a jaw party. And um, the next morning, when I woke up, I mean, I was like, when I say to you, I don't know how to explain to you the, the high. If, if you want a high, I promise you, drugs can't take you on this high. Just hear me, I'm telling you now. I've only experienced, you cannot get a high, the high that you get in the presence of Jesus. There's nothing that compares with that. Nothing. 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 And... Uh, that morning, waking up, I remember again, I remember it was the Saturday. And uh, um, I went to, my brother was in, uh, in the TV room. And I went, and my folks had gone out somewhere in that, and I went to the kitchen. I was on my way, and I turned right in the passage, and I saw my brother, brother there in that, oh, you know, it's your brother. Your brother. You know, we weren't really close then at that stage, and... Um, I looked, and as I was going to the kitchen, I felt I need to ask him, would he like something to drink? 
some cool drink juice, coffee. And I turned around. When I did that, I knew Jesus had changed my life. We did not do that. We didn't do it. All right? I, I, was, I just turned 21. So I, I turned to him and I went to him and I said, I won't mention the name, but I said, you know, would you, would you like something to drink? I'm just going to the kitchen. And he's like, <laughs> I knew God had walked into the place, into my life. What am I saying? In the presence of God, there's an awareness of, his, of that love and experiencing that you can love your enemy. You can actually love your own family. Serious. And some of you think it's weird. I, I know what I'm saying when I'm telling you. You can actually love some of your own family. And when the love of God is poured out inside you, you can do this. And in the presence of God, this awareness of it, your life is transformed, that you can actually do things. And this is the reason why we need revival. This is the reason why we do sometimes stupid things, just like David did in 2 Samuel 6.22, where he danced, the king danced in his effort, just partly clothed, danced while taking the presence of the Lord in the Ark, in, in the ark of the Covenant. They danced and worshipped. And his wife, Mike Micah, said basically, you know, how can you do this? And he said, I will become more undignified than this. In the presence of God, you can look like a fool. You can be undignified, but you don't care what the world is saying about you. That's what happens in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Let's just stand. I want to just pray for you. I want to just say, we've got to pursue God at any cost. And we have to be a people of His presence. God's called us to be a people of His presence. If you want to be transformed, then you need to have the Word and the Spirit working in your life. You need to know His presence. Because in His presence, there's nothing like that can satisfy you and me. All right. So, Father, I want to just pray for everyone here this morning. I want to pray for those that are busy watching and listening online. And, Father, I want to pray that even in this season that we're in, this new season, that there's a refreshing in your presence. In your presence, transformation is taking place. In your presence, we are being strengthened uh, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, and that this, that this message will not just be information, but it will actually be part of the roadmap to actually walk out and to say, God, I want to encounter you. I want to experience you because I know in your presence, this is the only place that satisfies me. Riches, gold, girls, glory, whatever cannot satisfy. It is you. It is you alone, Jesus, that satisfies me. My flesh is satisfies. My flesh cries out, longs for your presence, Lord. Just as David said, my flesh and soul cries out to you, Lord. This is our cry this morning. That, that we desire, we want your presence, Lord. That even as we leave this place, and um, Lord, that we would have a desire, um, not for the things of this world, that our desire would be for the things of you, of who you are. That the things of the world become a shadow in the light of you, Lord. And Father, I just pray and I release just a hunger for you, a hunger for your presence like never before in people's lives. And I just pray for those watching online and those there this morning that there will be a release of the gift of hunger 
just to hunger for you, for your presence, Lord, like never before, that that will be the thing, the only thing that satisfies us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Good.